You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. It is just me and the mighty Murph this week. I was thinking about this before we came on air, Murph. You know, Dan Killick, as we've said, he's very much like the, the Gavin Henson type player, right? We save him for the big games. We've got to manage his workload throughout the season. We, <laughs> we know he's capable of brilliance on his day. I, I then thought kind of, well, what does that make me and you kind of trucking it? I, I reckon we're like, you know, Josh Turnbull yeah. and Brock Harris, you know, those those kind of players. They're there every week. Journeyman. Journeyman, but just yeah, yeah doing, the, doing the donkey work, the hard yards every single week, I reckon. That's us. Come rain, sleet or shine. He's left us with a tricky double-ander, as uh, Julian Cleary might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a reference for the kids straight up. <laughs> yeah, one for the team. Well, you don't see a lot. You don't see a, <laughs> you don't see a lot of Julian Cleary these days. No, I like. I, I find him funny. I saw. I saw him. Yeah. My wife tricked me. She didn't trick me. My wife uh, booked tickets out. Out. I, I didn't even know we were going to see. She just booked tickets to see a comedian, and I was telling it was Julian Cleary. And I'm not kidding. The average age in there was like well over seventy. Just lo- loads of old, loads of old biddies would come to see this. Uh, kind of uh, sweet gay man yeah. uh, off the television doing his bit, and he must within the thirty first thirty seconds he must have mentioned. Uh, oh, I don't know, sure if it's even say what he mentioned, but he mentioned uh, uh, a very niche sexual act in the first thirty <laughs> seconds. And I was looking around the audience, thinking, God, I'm glad they're all deaf. Yeah, because <laughs> it was it was honestly, it was like someone using the c word in front of your nan. He didn't Amazing. use it. It was like it was like that. <laughs> yeah, Mate, really ama- amazing start to uh, to this week's show. I was thinking, <laughs> with this being one of these really tough weeks where we've had some pretty uninspiring Rainbow Cup rugby, and well, we haven't and, talked about rugby, so that's why it's been all right. Well, exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking, like maybe we could just fill it up with anecdotes of you, uh, yeah, of <laughs> yeah. various gigs you've been to oh, see. Old people being sworn in front of, or, or not, not so much sworn in front of, as lewd sexual acts being discussed in front of us. Yeah, if you've uh, again, listeners, feel free to get in touch. If you've got a favourite story <laughs> of a of a pensioner being told lewd sexual act stories, then let us know. We we definitely want to hear them all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I suppose we better we better talk about rugby, haven't we, Murph? Well, yeah. I tell you what, we'll we'll start with we'll start with a, a bit of Rainbow Cup and domestic action, and then we'll come on to talk about some of the Lions. Uh, headlines in the in the second half of the show we'll start with the rainbow cup defeat for the ospreys and uh, a victory for for cardiff blues which is the end of their season uh i guess first up what did you make of that uh, of that game what did you make of cardiff's performance 
I did. I, I, I caught up with it this afternoon, um, and um, I didn't think it was a very good game. I think uh, there was a red card, wasn't there, for Zebri? And I think they might have struggled if it wasn't be, if it hadn't been for that red card, Cardiff, because it, it didn't. There was some, you know, some good open play at times, and you know, but it didn't really spark into life as a free-flowing game as such. And um, yeah, I think if it wasn't if it wasn't for the red card, it could have been. Uh, I know it was quite late in the game, and you know, but it, it was quite tight until that point. So um, yeah, I, I I didn't really enjoy. It. I, I not a patch on last week's matches. No, it wasn't. It's a strange one with Cardiff because I'm. Just trying to get a gauge, especially now the season's finished, as to exactly where they are. It feels like they're heading in the right direction. And when they play well, I think particularly that Munster game, you can kind of see some glimpses of, of what they're trying to do going forward. But they have got had in recent times this habit of squandering winning positions. And I know what you mean. For a moment in, in time during that game yesterday, I thought they were going to do the same thing again. Um, but they did manage to get over the line. It's, it's going to be an interesting one because I think obviously this is this is the phony war before we go into next season, and you hope that they'll be able to yeah they'll be able to to get those results and turn the the glimpses of good performances into into some good form. Yeah, I, I, and the other thing that stuck in my mind was that they were getting kind of manhandled at the breakdown. Zebra were much more up for it, you know, and latching onto each other and piling through counter rucking and what have you. It was all a bit, a little bit soft and wet, and you know, uh, at the breakdown for them, and that, that stopped them getting any kind of consistent flow of ball. And um, it, in those conditions, it should, it should have been, you know, end to end stuff. But um, yeah, a bit disappointing, I thought. And obviously, well talked about already all over the Twitter and everywhere. But the the length of the game because of the number of times the referee was going to the big screen, even for, even the things that happened literally right in front of his I nose. mean, the, the, <laughs> the sending off was fantastic. I just yeah. like, I, again, yeah. just watch, I, I watched it this afternoon and uh, avoided, avoided the result, which wasn't hard to do. And uh, yeah, just, you know, we're zipping through it, you know, watching, watching the game, the full, the full game, but then zipping through when there's, you know, a, as you're waiting for a line out to form or, uh, and then, yeah, I was, I was like, right, okay, we've got another TMO thing, better watch this, see what's happening here. I was just like, because I, I know it's the clear out of time, I thought, oh, they might have a look at that. Then you realise how close it is, you know, he's, it's, it's so bad, isn't it, that when they're yeah. showing the replays and the ref is right there. It's like it's under his nostrils. It's like, yeah, I've got another angle, I've got another angle coming up for you now. <laughs> you're in this one as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Carlo Cannon incident as well. It, it was like as if he saw it because he was, he was, you know, you could turn that into a compliment saying and say he was well placed as a referee. He was in the right position to see it. But it's like as if he wanted to check that he'd actually seen what he just saw, if you know what I mean. Because it, yeah. it was quite an unbelievable thing as Carlo Cannon basically tried to bat it clean out of play, you know, like as if he was playing volleyball or something. And, um, Maybe he was in disbelief and had to double check with the video, but that would have been, you know, in, in a different era, he would have had to make his mind up on what well, just he, happened. He would have. And, and, and he, he had no need, to, you know, it, it was a weird thing, like I, I admit, but he had no need to go to the TMO for that, really. He just batted it out and he ended up giving a penalty try, I think. Yeah, but, he did um, give a penalty try. And it was, yeah, it maybe was for the penalty little... try, you could argue he wanted to double check, but. There, there was no doubt about what he'd just seen. He'd just seen a player batter out of play. I didn't mind that so much. It's when you chuck in the captain's challenges as well. It's like, oh, God. We, <laughs> we, we had a message in from Michael Rowland about this. And again, I've, I've moaned about the captain's challenge a lot. Um, I don't mind so much when there is something. And, you know, it was a massive knockout. That brilliant zebra try that they scored that was, you know, a, a vague moment of excitement during the game. The end. He went back for it. Yeah, at the end. Went mm. back for a knock on, which it was. But again, yeah. I, you know, you, everyone saw that in real time. Too close to his nose. I think what he needs is uh, reading glasses when the ball gets too close to him. Find a distance, but if he gets within ten yards of it, he needs to have everything confirmed. Yeah, he's not a referee I've come across before. Actually, I don't know whether it's you know whether he's relatively inexperienced because yeah. I mean he certainly seemed very confident in the way he's talking. You know, talking with the players and seemed quite assertive until it went to the TMO. And he said, "Right, let me just talk." through this one. Okay, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And there was these yeah. awful, long, elongated silences while the uh, the TMO went... Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> even if the TMO 
piped up and gave his opinion. He would then ask the touch judge. He was sitting yeah. next to him as well. So, uh, I mean, there was, oh, what was the other thing? There was something else that just stuck in my mind about it all. Well, the yellow card should have been a red as well. He had two pops yeah. of Josh Turnbull's head. It's just like in the in the way the game is now, they're, they're, red, they're red cards. Not that it makes yeah, sense. I've seen a few a of them. In this league because, yeah. you, you know, you'll have someone else on after 20 minutes. So, yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. There's a few few incidences, not just in this league, but across rugby recently where they kind of chickened out on a on a red just because it's so early in the game or whatever. Mm. Um, I think the captain's challenge is being proven a failure in this tournament. Having said that, the, the footage or the coverage I saw of um, the rugby, uh, what they call it, rugby aortic failure, rugby aortic <laughs> That's probably insulted someone's culture. I was, I was going to say, New Zealanders are famously self-deprecating, but they tend to be a bit like the Welsh and not enjoy well, too much. Let me come up here and pronounce some Welsh names. I mean, <laughs> I'll join in. Um, yeah, that, that tournament, um, it, it went okay. It wasn't terrible, yeah. the captain's challenge. So maybe it was being a little bit abused up here. I don't know. Or maybe they need to tinker it so it's literally foul play and nothing else. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I think I can get on board with that. But, you, you, but that's it. Is the TMO is that is there for that anyway? Yeah. Really, it's like I don't know. Like like I've said a million times before, I was like anything that encourages more use of the TMO. I'm generally inclined to think it's a bad thing. But yeah, all I, the only plus point there has been for me is ever since you refer to it as snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I just look at because Josh Turnbull's been there every week. I just keep looking at him as like, oh, here he is, super grass. Here he yeah. goes again. Yeah, like, yeah. Just try, yeah, trying to trying to grass someone up. But yeah, it's these, you know, it's these daft things. And again, like I think he used his on, you know, a fairly innocuous uh, shoulder charge into Corey Hill. There's a penalty if you see it in real time. But then, having used the captain's challenge, the ref then decided it wasn't. It's you know the the game just baffles me sometimes. I think that you know that's is it only one, one. Is it only one per captain? Is it? One per captain, yeah. Oh, right, okay. And th- there's something mental as well. Like it's, it's. I I think it's only for foul play until the last ten minutes when it can be for anything. I don't. Know. Right, okay. I don't know. Either way, yeah, it's not been a it's not been a, a rip roaring success for me. Um, no. but yeah, as I say, it'll be interesting to see kind of how how Cardiff get on into the new season uh, with their new name and rebrand and um, yeah, yeah. How come um, Scarlets didn't play? Last week was COVID. This week, last week was COVID. This was a scheduled, uh, was a scheduled thing. They finished. Bye week, was it? Yeah, they've got a bye week. They finish next week. So this, the other three regions apart from Cardiff are in action next week. All oh, right. Um, so the Dragons and the uh, they're all finishing next week. Yeah, the Dragons having uh, endured a, a poor series of results head away to Leinster, so that should be fun. Um, Scarlets are. At Parker Scarlets, I believe. Uh, yeah, playing Edinburgh, and it feels like um, feels like a, you know when you're doing your GCSEs or something, and your your exam finishes before everyone else's, and all your mates are still revising. <laughs> you know, it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? Like yeah, you, uh, definitely. You finish a week earlier because you weren't doing economics or whatever, and uh, all the rest of the players in the country, well, the other three regions, yeah, like, heading straight like, to the. But I carry on going. They're probably on the pop not right now. The Blues. I like, yeah, well, you definitely think some of those players who aren't going to feature for Wales or the Lions as well. Yeah, just get out, enjoy it. It's been a, an incredibly long season. Yeah, the only thing is they can't fly anyway. No, well, exactly, yeah. You just have to have to get into a few pub gardens, I think, while the weather's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so just quickly to recap on the other fixtures for next weekend. Ospreys finish uh, at home to Benetton. They're playing that one in Bridgend. And, uh, yeah, as I say, Dragons away to Leinster. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be a real it's going to be a real chore to watch all those games. I think, especially when the the Euros is starting, there's all other big sport going on. But well, yeah, yeah, next Saturday is Wales Switzerland, isn't it? It is. I was supposed to have my uh, I was supposed to have my jab next Saturday, but I've rescheduled. I guess, stupidly, I didn't look at time, <laughs> and I had it I had it scheduled for half past one, and so I've just rescheduled that for another day. Luckily, there was one two days later, so I'm getting it on. Uh, okay, on the first or second? First. All right, I had my um, second last week. Well, I, mean, I, live in, I live in Wales. I was going to say, you live in Wales and you're very old. So yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, That's two reasons it. why I'm ahead of you, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I um, obviously I do take the uh, the jab very seriously, but it is Wales, Switzerland. So, uh, you know. Priorities, obviously, yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that. Well, you said I didn't realize it was an afternoon kickoff, it was an evening kickoff. Yeah, it's 2 p.m. that one. Um, because there's so many blooming games in the Euros that in the the opening stages you've got to get through um, three games a day, (laughs) three games a day, which uh, yeah, Yeah. I can't wait. (laughs) No, I can't actually, but I'm sure, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a real test for the Rainbow Cup to see if we can uh, see if we can keep up with it. Yeah, the viewing figures, which have already been on the floor, buried away further by (laughs) buried away on Premier Sports. I will just bring it back to rugby because otherwise I could, you know, I know we'll just end up descending into talking about other sports for the formation issues are on the (laughs) basketball. Yeah, (laughs) well, exactly. but yeah, just while we're talking TV figures, there is, again, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but there are strong inklings that live rugby is set to return to BBC Wales next season. Uh, it might be a shared deal. Originally, apparently Sky Sports were the front runners to take the Pro 14, 16, 18, whatever it is. Um, but it now looks as though it might be a hybrid deal between, uh, certainly in Wales, between BBC Wales and Premier Sports, which... You know, it isn't necessarily a, isn't necessarily a bad thing when you chuck into mix S4C. I imagine we'll have the we'll have the Welsh language coverage as well. So, you, I just it just needs a bit. I mean, the tournament is, has its problems enough, and I just think that when it's buried away on a, a pay per view channel that not many people have, it takes it that much more out of the public consciousness. You know, if if Cardiff or the Ospreys or any of the sides were to go on a good winning run, and there was you know a a couple of games were there available on BBC Wales, it just People who've kind of completely lost track of the other side start to get that bit more invested in it. So I think that you know that hopefully is a bit of an encouraging move. If yeah, you if you think about it, there's no point in Premier Sports having exclusive coverage of every single game because most subscribers are only cherry picking their own club or their own teams anyway. They're not, you know, there's not many losers like me who will watch every game on, you know, on a on the speed button kind of thing, on the fast forward button. So why then, you know, if there's regional derbies or whatever, why then uh, stop stop them going to uh, broadcast? Because obviously B- BBC don't want 50-50. They don't want half the games. They just want one weekend. Pretty much, BBC. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, again... It's not, it's not like they're, they're demanding, you know, <laughs> to take over half the job. It's nowhere near. Uh, just a, a, like a... Well, probably not even... Not even two games a weekend. So um, no, I mean they wouldn't be gagging for zebra versus Connacht, would they? You know, it's a it's a it's a job for the um, yeah, it's a job for the sides that there is. You know, there's there's that national interest in. So um, they probably get a highlights package out of it. Well, they I think they you know, they've got that at the moment. Which yeah, but a, a broader one if you you know like a bigger because at the moment you, you just get like clips on Scrum mm. Five or whatever. Which are in between all the magazine, all the yeah, the magazine content, yeah, yeah, the magazine content. So it's not like a full, it's not like a what well, they, they do longer clips of the Welsh ones, and then like literally thirty seconds of all yeah. the other things. So maybe if they get a better deal, they show more of those games. I don't know. Depends on the demand, I suppose. Do you know, what? I think that comes down to. It. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they didn't have that deal already. It's just you know when you've got. Yeah. Wait, no, <laughs> I think I honestly, I think that's the case. <laughs> When you've got a 50, whatever, yeah. however long Scrum 5 is now, when you've got 45, 50 minutes to cram, you know, all the week's news into. Yeah. That said, they might be putting extended highlights on this weekend, given that there's not been that much to talk about. They won't be, Scrum 5 won't be opening with stories about Julian Clary's and old, and old <laughs> Billy's being that's confused, their, will they? That's their big weakness, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, while we're on that, this is a story that for some reason we, we failed to, to talk about um, a couple of weeks ago. It was either a couple of weeks ago or last week. Um, and if it was last week, it was because I was too tipsy to remember. But um, the Six Nations been, essentially that, that deal is going to be rolled over uh, and BBC and ITV are going to have the, the coverage for another another four years, I think it is, which is, uh, yeah, it's very good news for the sport as a whole, I would say. Yeah, and, and not only good news, but like it's a real risk putting it behind a paywall. You know, you, obviously there's money income from it. If you do, you know, you would hope it'd be very big deal if you're going to go into Sky or or BT Sport or whatever. <clears throat> but it's such a such a risk because obviously once you cough up the cash, it's four four years. If it doesn't work out, the, say the the first year it it goes badly and you you know the 
the exposure for the sport is cut in some way and different things go pear-shaped, you're stuck with it for the, the next three seasons. So um, it's a big risk to, to do that with. I mean, I know other sports, soccer mainly, and then cricket did it in a big way after, uh, was that after the ashes of 2005, they went up the sky. And um, it just cuts the exposure massively. It brings the income, but are you getting exposure for the sport? And I'm not sure if rugby, although <laughs> rugby does need the money for sure, I'm not sure they can afford to cut their exposure any for, any more than they have. So I, I'm, I'm of the opinion they definitely can't. And no. you, the examples you've offered there, you know, Premier League football is is a complete anomaly because that essentially launched Sky. Really, it was something that you didn't have live football. Uh, that often on TV in, no. in 1992. You know, you had... It wasn't, no. There possibly, by that point, a game a week, even. Actual live games for decades on end. You could only see a live game. Yeah, if you FA Cup final, yeah. Yeah, yeah FA Cup final, final, or bought a ticket to go and watch a local club. Yeah. There was no coverage on, on, on uh, uh, terrestrial TV of live football obviously outside of England playing or the FA Cup. There was no league week by week stuff. So that that total change in culture that was the first. It time. was. And it built this, you know, again, football, you know, the whatever it was before the Premier League, the division one was a very, very different beast off the back of, you know, the eighties. Life was simpler then. Life was simpler then. But you know, this big shiny score and be in form one <laughs> and then this year year eight or whatever the bloody hell it is. Everything had numbers <laughs> clearly defined. The world was easy back then. Uh, Division four was where Cardiff City would be. That was easy. Much simpler times. My, uh, friends of mine used to, because well, I'm from central Cardiff, friends of mine used to go to watch Cardiff City. And they said there'd, there'd be a, sometimes about 1,500 people watching a, a kind of basement of the league match between Cardiff and someone. And then the following week, there'd be 2,000 going to an away game because of all the aggro they used to go for. <laughs> but, you know, just like they knew there'd be, you know, a bit of action. 2,000 away fans go into a game, 1,500 at home. Honestly, times have changed, haven't they? Yeah, they have, which is, uh, I'm sure, exactly the kind of thing that Sky Sports were buying into when they pumped a load of money into it. <laughs> um, but look, that's, that's, that's ultimately it. Sky took, you know, football that was in a, you know, a bad place, but had always had a strong following and built this shiny, gentrified product off the back of it. And, you know, we've seen where that's ended up. That's the anomaly, right? Cricket has ultimately, a lot of sport has, a lot of money has gone into the sport. Exactly where it's gone, you know, is, is difficult to, is difficult to, to put. A... Agents, I think. Yeah, well, there's, there's that, you know, a, a, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure some of the, the big executives will have done well out of it. I don't know how much yeah. of it goes to grassroots or whatever, but well, they built a, they built a lot of stadiums, haven't they, in the last thirty years? Mm. You know, those identikit kind of boxy. They look like warehouses, most of them. Are you talking about football now? Sorry, I was. No. I was talking you about move cricket. on. I was talking about cricket then, but yeah. All oh, right. But, yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. <laughs> football. Yeah. I was still like... thinking about crowd violence, so I didn't yeah. associate that with cricket. <laughs> yeah, you tend not to, don't you? No, yeah, um, but yeah, look, I, it would be a big, big danger for rugby, um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's a good, encouraging, uh, encouraging thing. But again, you know, it just shows you that the Pro Fourteen are clambering to get back on terrestrial TV because they need the exposure. You know, yeah. it's all very well taking the, you know, taking the, taking the check, but you can't, um, you you can't build it just on the thought that oh, these clubs are, you know well followed if you look at Leinster or or whoever it's uh it doesn't work like that you know you've you need a, a broadcaster to help you grow the sport so uh, you know I think it's a I think it's an encouraging thing and you particularly look at how good some of those games were during the Six Nations even without fans you know that that France that France Wales finale is just it was an astonishing game of rugby and obviously mm. painful but it's the kind it's the kind of thing that is a really good advert for the sport and you don't have to be into rugby to appreciate, or you don't have to be a, a pair of losers like us to appreciate that game of rugby. And and I think that that's you know that is important to grow in the game. So I, yeah, I think that is a, a real positive. Yeah, I'm going to build up the courage to watch that game again one day. I'm not. No, I yeah. don't think I. I don't think I can do that. If only, if only, so I can kind of reinforce my Luke Pierce theory. 
<laughs> I'm not even sure if it favoured us or them, or if it favoured no one. But no, it it was just like it was like someone had invented a new rule. Where yeah, it was like it was like right, no one can stop sprinting at any point. Everyone yeah, yeah. run, and it's just this organised well, unorganised chaos. Yeah, um, but it. I I, I, like I say, I don't know. If, I, I'm not doing it in a in a you know like a they're all against us type of way. I, I don't know if it helped them or helped us or helped no one, but. It's just no one's done it since before or since. It's just it's, like a one-off. We're going to use these rules tonight, boys. Yeah. So uh, good luck. And uh, go, when you go back to your clubs, it'll all be back to the normal nonsense. Did you, uh, did, you ever, did you ever play the drinking game 21s? No, uh, 21s I used to do in the gym. Yeah, well, I used to, I used to try to do it in the pub. Um, <laughs> go on, then like me. So, yeah, so 21s is like a, you know, so it's a drinking game where if I say two numbers, so if I say one, you have to then say two and then the person next to you would have to say three but if he says three four then it goes back to you and if you say if you say three numbers then it skips a go and when you get to 21 you get to make up a rule and I kind of feel like yeah maybe that's what Luke Pierce was uh was, was playing at he was like right he had a quick chat with Barnsley and Carly and they're out there it's like right 21s tonight boys Sounds like I would get drunk really quick. That's how ones. It, it gets, yeah, it gets you drunk very, very quick. Is Luke Pierce another one of the the refs refing for someone else, but was born in Wales as well, or am I can, can, mixing him up with someone? I thought he was. I think he might be right. Yeah. Well, is Andrew Brace in Ireland? Who's Welsh? Yeah, I thought yeah. Luke Pierce was. Uh, yeah, you might be right. Bracket. Um, Sometimes it, his accent is a bit regional. <laughs> Uh, in the old days I would mark him out as a criminal <laughs> you know like Ealing comedy you know? <laughs> yeah I've just quit I've quickly googled it and I'm sure all the listeners knew this already but yeah he's Pony Paul who's born so um yeah no, that's, we, we export referees now uh, only the crap ones <laughs> I like him I look it made for, it made for a good game I'm uh I, I was all in favour of that, and I don't like many. That's refs. a good game. I didn't want it to be a good game. I just wanted it to be three 0 to us. No, no, that's the grand true. slam is in the box. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be entertained. If fuckers. Three 0 I mean, like, fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it would have been. Done. It would have been. Right. Let's have a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about the Lions. Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. We can talk about the Lions now. Quite a few big stories breaking here, Murph. Um, mm. I suppose the big, the biggest of the lot is Kyle Sinclair getting on the getting on the plane, um, or he will be getting on the plane at the expense of Porter, who's picked up a knock. Uh, well, obviously more than the knock, he's picked up an injury that's sadly mean he's not gonna he's not gonna make it on the tour. Yeah. Um, I suppose two things: one, any concerns about Kyle Sinclair? going on the tour and two what a BT Sport going to talk about from here on in <laughs> yeah exactly no concerns at all I mean it, it, you know um, we had him in our squad didn't we oh nailed uh, nailed on second yeah nailed on on the bench for the test yeah. Yeah, and furlong yeah yeah. Um, so it was a shock even to non non-English uh, supporters so um, I, 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 that doesn't change how, how sad it is for Andrew Porter Mm. And he joins that. We were talking about last week, the Irish players who uh, failed to make the plane joins the list of those, which is sad. And you have to be honest. I, I know I said that, you know, there's always someone who doesn't get picked and ends up not going. But like, for example, Kyle Sinclair and his teammates and uh, Sale, the Sale squad and the Exeter squad, they've all got three games left. They've got to finish their league season next Saturday. And then they're going to play, if they get to the final, they're going to play a playoff semi final and then a final. Um, so the, the opportunities for people to get injured are still there's still plenty of them, uh, you know people like um, Alan Wynn and Justin Tiprick unless they fall over playing golf, you know they're all right they're going to be okay, but uh, it is probably a nerve wracking time for uh, any of the English based players. Dan Bigger, I mean he's not going to be in the playoffs. We just got to get through next weekend, 
Well, yeah, this this was the this was the other story during the round. Wales Online went heavy on this, and no one else has, which makes you think it's complete clickbait nonsense. But yeah, yeah Dad, Dad said Dan Bigger went off with it. Was it a pectoral injury or some kind of chest injury? But it doesn't. Last second week, running, he, he, yeah. he limped off last week with his leg. I'm sure he goes off most weeks, actually. Like, it, it yeah, works. yeah. Um, I mean, he's very committed, very committed tackler these days. Yeah. The, the early part of his career, I don't know if anyone else remembers, but in his early days in the Welsh squad, he used to get targeted by opposition attack. They, they would see him as a weakness in defence, and then it was like it was like a, I don't know when he got about forty odd caps or something. It was like a flick was switched. A switch was flicked, and he just decided I've had enough of being crap at tackling, and, ju- and just became really good at it. And he what? is a really good tackler now. I don't remember that at all. Actually, I was thinking, uh, you know, I was thinking about this when you know when I saw this, I was like, Australia well, used to go after him all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's strange because I was, yeah, like I say, I was, I was thinking about this, and I really think that you know he's got the opportunity because I think he's loved, he's loved in Wales now, right? And we get what a what a class competitor he is. Mm. I, I don't know whether that whether people feel would feel the same way in the other home nations. I just think that this summer could be the chance where people realise just how good he is because he's not a flash ten. He's just the ultimate competitor, makes great decisions, thrives on pressure, and I think that you know perhaps you know this is probably going to jinx him now, isn't it? But you know I think that that people will see this, and again it it got me thinking back to the the start of his career because you mentioned this the other week. You know he's been in the squad since two thousand and eight. And it, at that stage, you know, obviously he was a bright prospect, but I just remember him kicking the ball away a lot and not just, you know, not just the down to game plan. It felt like it, that was, that was always what I felt his, his weakness was, was he was just putting boots the ball far too often. Yeah. But yeah, I don't remember his, his defence being, um, being part of it. Yeah. You'd have to, you'd have to troll back through some old matches, but um, it was definitely a thing. And it, I don't know what what the turning point was for him, but he, he just suddenly came up one game and just started throwing his shoulder into everyone. Mm. And um, it's quite a few seasons ago now. It, it was definitely the early early half of his career. But like I say, I don't know. It's, it, like you were just saying about 2008, he, he's been on the scene for such a long time now. It could have been it could have been quite a few seasons ago that he turned himself around. But, um, oh yeah, I, d- I don't remember him being a bad defender. You know, no, that's why. Yeah, that's why yeah, a lot of people forget while. because. Um, but he was definitely. I can remember some of the autumn internationals. He was definitely having everyone running down his channel all the time yeah. because at the time it would have been the option would have been him, Jamie Roberts, or Jonathan Davis. You know, so and he was getting dinged up. But um, he's turned. He's turned. I actually think he's turned his tackling into a, one of his strengths now. Honestly, yeah, I I would definitely say that was a that was a strength of his his defensive game. Yeah, the the organisation and the actual, you know, and the actual tackling. He's a I think he's yeah. a, a really physical ten. So um, and, and not just have a in the breakdown in the breakdown area, he's good now as well. So um, complete complete player really. All he's missing is obviously electric pace and you know that kind of thing. But very few of the uh, uh, top. Uh, tens around the, the world, like uh, for example, uh, Andre Pollard. He's not a quick guy. I mean, he does break tackles and he's a big lump, but he's not pacey. Well, you wouldn't and, have uh, said Dan Carter was massively pacey either, would you? You know, he's... no, he's a glide though, didn't he? Yeah, he's more of a glider. But um, so it's not. I mean, there's a position where there's so little space anyway that you're not you don't get a chance to open up half the time. Bolton Barrett used to, but of course he's now been moved back to fullback and what have you. So um, yeah, it's not it's not a position where pace is critical feet better than any else 100% right while we're while we're talking injuries and lines injuries in that same game uh Sam Simmons went off injured looks like a an ankle uh again no one's kind of been drawn into this I would say that's the more concerning of the two though oh definitely and it, it was ironically it was Courtney Laws landing on him um kind of tackle sort of uh side on and then landed on the back of his calf and squashed his ankle kind of thing. So yeah, that it didn't look, it looked painful, but it didn't look like anything had gone. He was just sat on the, uh, sat on the bench with ice on it. So it might rule him out to the rest of the domestic campaign, but I'm not, I mean, you never know, obviously, but I wouldn't, it doesn't immediately look like he's going to miss, he's going to be off for the summer or anything. So we'll see. Yeah, again, 
I mean, obviously, it'd be, it'd be a shame for him to miss the end of the, the domestic season. But with a Lions hat on, you if he's able to make it on the plane, I do think he is one of those players that, that adds something very, very different. Mm. And it's just the... Yeah, I think it's that it's that dynamism, isn't it? It's the the, the power and the speed and the ability to to find his way to the try line as well. It's, there's he's kind of got something that's really really different. That even if he's you know not going to necessarily feature in the Test twenty two, you feel like he'll give a good account of himself and make selection very very hard. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, can play six as well. So if the top, you know if the Cards landed that we that, that, that there was injuries and what have you. We could end up with Falatel waited him six or vice versa because Falatel's played a lot of six of Bath this year. So um, yeah, you, I mean you don't want it. You know it's happened to Andrew Porter. You don't, we don't want anyone else to end up missing out. So fingers crossed for him. While we're talking about injuries, uh, South Africa have named their squad, uh, and I'm sure they'll be uh, they'll they'll be causing some injuries when we uh, when we get into the into the heart of the summer. Any anything of any note in there? Anyone surprise you? Not surprise. Well, yeah, surprises, I suppose, because I, I, I recently on here was talking about um, Lou Diaga is um, supposedly bust his ankle in training for sale a few weeks ago, probably what, five weeks ago. He's named in the squad, so he obviously didn't break it if he's named in the squad. Um, Argy Snyman, I thought was long term injured. He's named in the squad. <laughs> or basically all the ones you would regard as a danger from the last World Cup, the World Cup final in particular, where they would have t- two massive second rows on the pitch and then two massive ones on the bench. They're all fit. So that is the worry. Um, also, they've, I know it's probably just my own preference, but they've named four hookers in their squad and Aka van der Merwe still can't get in the squad. So they're, they're either... Really well off of hookers, <laughs> or they just don't. They just don't know. They just haven't been watching it. They just haven't paid attention to how good he is. I think it's so, probably. I think it's probably the former there, isn't it? They again. There's always. There's always somebody missing. You know, South Brits played a criminal, a criminally small amount of rugby. Really, when yeah. you did it again, if he was any other nationality, he'd be, he'd be an international legend. I think. Yeah, well, there's a couple of there's a couple of hookers. I don't know. There's a two from the World Cup squad, the um, Marks and Dweeber. Well, is it Dweeber? Dweeber. Dweeber sounds like an insult. But uh, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're in, and I don't really know. Oh, I do know um, Bonambi, yeah. So it's just the fourth guy. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that name. <laughs> the fourth, <laughs> the fourth guy is beaten into it. I think Akavanda Merva. But it, I mean, they still got five five sale players in the squad. Um, lots of Duprees. I, I don't. They, when they when they when they named, I knew I knew Jean Luc was one of the mm. guys. When they named the other, I think it's is it Dan or Robert Dupree. I was thinking, is that the other sale guy, or is that just another? Because they're not. It's like Jones in it's Wales. A common, it's a common name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it does. It turns out it is a sale player. So um, and and interestingly, uh, Jean Luc Dupree has been playing five for sale lately in the absence of Ludiaga. But he's not. He's not in the South African squad as a second row. He's in there as a loose forward, so that is serious size in your side if he's a back row forward. And step, uh, Peter Steph Toy. I mean, it's fucking frightening. It is really. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm in two minds as to how you, as to how you go about tackling this because you look at Gatlin's squad and it's tempting to think, well, we have to do the same. Hence, why you've got, you know, why you've got Courtney Laws in there and you've got a load of these sick. Uh, you play well today, by the way. Did he? Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's an excellent player when he's when he's at the top of his game, and I think that yeah, the temptation is to go you match size with size, but then you also look at some of the back row players that that Gatlin's got at his disposal, and you think actually here could be an opportunity to look at you know to look at trying to play a much pacier game and to try and and to try and beat them at the breakdown with a you know with a you know, I'm thinking Watson and people like that in particular. If he didn't, yeah, well, he's, done done back yeah. he's done on the back row. He? He's gone size in, uh, and scrummaging power and size in the in the second row and then flat out pace men. You know, there's no there's no sluggish big, you know, there's no believer in the polar. There's everyone in the in the back row who can shift 
And so it's clear that, you know, they're going to try and beat South Africa to the breakdown by going, well, I don't know if they go wide, but they're going to try and win the race to the first the first tackle. And uh, they have to. I mean, if they don't, what, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm surprised to see. I think I, I read this correctly, that, that the Lions are slight favourites with the bookies, which is either just representing where the money's gone. But, I, I mean, this South African side is is a little bit of an unknown quantity because they haven't played a fixture for so long. But also, like you just say, the, 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 some of the players you've mentioned there, yeah, alone before we get into the likes of, you know, the, the match winners in, Col- in Colby and, and the likes. Mapimpi. Mapimpi. You know, it's, it is frightening, isn't it? There's, a, a, there's so much, there's so much talent in there that it's a big ask to get an invitational side even though that squad is incredibly strong, it's a big ask to get them to to get. Well, I don't know. Yeah, to get themselves in, in a position to be able to to give them. Well, how am I talking? Get their act together, basically, to get yeah. their act together in time for that first test. Well, uh, yeah, but a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, I would have had the Lions as favourite, but now when you see how much, how much, uh, how much rugby the box have actually had, because I was unaware of the. Um, uh, the Curry Cup and the different things they've been playing on there. So um, I wasn't entirely sure they'd be getting and the fact that they haven't played since the World Cup final. But now when you think about it, I mean, they're, they're all in the, the business ends of the top 14, the business ends of the Gallagher Premiership. They're, play, they're playing in this, albeit, sham Rainbow Cup. And so there's, although they haven't been together as a national team, none of them are going to be cold or undercooked. So where is the issue? And uh, now, now that I, I read, um, I've been doing, I've been a, a good student this week. I've read the rugby paper, and that's why that's why I'm in depth on the uh, South Africa squad. And, I, uh, I hope you're listening to this, Dan Killick. I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a one-off, don't we? Uh, there's an article in there by actually by Stephen Thomas, contributor to this show, uh, this podcast uh, about. Um, Victor, it's just an interview with Victor Matfield, and he thinks that the Lions will struggle to contain South Africa. And um, now that it's here, and the re, you know the reality of what they're going to the undertaking, uh, I'm starting to agree with him. Um, he's talking highly of Alan Jones in the article. If anyone gets to catch Stephen Thomas's piece in the, the rugby paper, so that's good. <laughs> but uh, he still thinks they're going to lose. Well, we'll be, uh, be sure to dig that one out. As you say, Steph's uh, been on the show a number of times, big contributor to the show. I'm sure we'll catch up with him during the Lions. And hopefully we're going to get uh, someone who's a bit closer to the South African squad than, uh, than you or I to, to get a preview um, from, a, from a Springbok perspective as well. So, yeah, lots more, uh, lots more uh, Lions content to come as the, weeks, uh, as the weeks go on. Who knows? Maybe there'll be less Julian Clary content as well. We uh, we just we <laughs> just don't know. Big, big expert on South African rugby, actually. I would, oh, I would absolutely. I, I would love to get Julian Clary on <laughs> to rugby, just to prove everyone. Just to yeah, just to shatter, shatter any illusions and stereotypes. It'd be uh, it'd be fantastic. And um, just finishing on the Lions front, Murph, because I can I can literally see the steam coming from your dinner. Murphy um, just. Surprised me with it, which is probably the nicest surprise you can have as a massive dinner. Right? Yeah, what's uh, what's on the cards? Is this athlete's diet again? No, no uh, there might be some potato in there. I, I can't, it's a lot of vegetables there, so there's mashed potato. We didn't need to. This is, uh, you're not, you're not <laughs> a part of. You don't, you don't contribute to the podcast unless you're. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Well, look, Miss, Mrs. Murphy is getting is getting closer to a call up. The more Dan Killick, the more Dan Killick bails on us. You know, this is Mighty Murph, actually. Mrs. Murphy, <laughs> <Murphy's part. laughs> keep it official. Right, let's talk. Let's talk Andy Farrell. Uh, while we're talking about invitations, uh, this yeah. is a sli- slightly strange story. This one. So Andy Farrell, having originally either ruled himself out or having discussed it with his union, had it ruled out because he was going to be too busy with the Ireland squad this summer, has now been made available, um, potentially on a bit of a part-time basis, but no one's sure if anyone's going to take him up on it. It's, it's a bit odd, this, isn't it? You know, as good, a, as good a coach as he is and has done a brilliant job with the Lions on the past, uh, what, two, three tours, I find it a bit odd that you'd, you'd parachute in a defence coach. You know, what would that... 
what would that do to Steve Tandy's confidence if you if you well, parachute not, in not so much, Andy Farrell? So his confidence, but it, it would. If I was Steve Tandy, it would piss me off. Like Andy Farrell was unavailable, so then you gave it to uh, Steve Tandy, and now they're saying, "Oh, actually, no, he can come." Uh, but not for the whole thing. Do you want him? So I mean, is he that crucial to the to the to the squad and to the coaching? I don't know. Um, it is it's a, straight, it's a little bit one of those non-stories. There was, on the subject of non-stories, there was one uh, read this weekend about Toulouse making a massive bid for bigger and oh, more. Yeah. yeah, but it's from what I can tell, it's predicated on them not going on the Lions tour. Yeah, well, that's likely, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. That, 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 Dan Bigger's got the ten on his back at the moment. He's not gonna. He's not gonna jack that into. Tony Laws would make the twenty-three as well. Yeah. So that that. It's just like a complete non-story. It's like saying um, it you nearly, go into Toulon. It, it nearly was the hottest day of the year today, but it was five degrees cooler than we thought it would be. You know, it's like nothing. It's a nothing story. And it's a little bit like that with Andy Farrell. I, I, they're saying he's available, but why would they want him? He, yeah. You know, I'm available. They don't fucking want me, do they? So, Well, we don't know that yet. We don't know, you know, I mean... Oh, don't we? oh right, okay. I mean, your, your availability... Your availability... Your availability has been brilliant, hasn't it? You know, why, yeah. why do we parachute Daniel Killikin for the big for the big weeks on this? You know, because he's <laughs> he's like a diva. He's like he's like Joan Collins around these parts. So you know? you're saying I'm the Steve Tandy, <laughs> I'm the Steve Tandy of this podcast. Correct. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, there you go. This is his stock is uh, his stock is very high again there. <laughs> um. Right, let's just wrap up with a couple of bits, a couple of bits and pieces. Bringing it back to rugby finances and and kind of the off the pitch stuff, which I know you love to talk I about. Know, now. I love them, yeah. uh, Wales it's have an extra hour, extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> Wales have announced a new sponsor. Um, so the the Isuzu deal, from what I can see, has expired, but they're going to carry on. Be although they won't be on the jersey, they will be like official car partner or official vehicle partner or something like that. Which still means. Which still means money's coming in, which is yeah. good. Who's um, going to be on the jersey, though? The jersey is going to be Kazoo, um, who, between uh, them and Cinch, who seem to be sponsoring everything. Um, uh, the Derby. They, yes, available. I didn't watch the Derby. I didn't watch the Derby. I'm not a big flat racing fan, actually. Um, I'm not either, no, but the, i got a soft spot for the Derby because the mate of mine used to live in Epsom. Yeah. And um, so I've been I have, I have been, yeah, I've been to the Derby and I've been to Oaks Day. And it's, uh, 16 it, to 1 first and 50 to 1 second. Uh, the, the the fancied horses just didn't turn up. Oh, I think the third place horse was six to one, but you know the favourite nowhere. So uh, it's a strange, strange race. I mean, strange time. So it makes sense, really. There was no one watching as usual, apart from the owners. But um, I thought there was a. I thought there was a few people in this time, right? I thought there was um like. Well, there's no one in the common. You know the common in the middle. Oh yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's chaos in there. Yeah, you couldn't chaos have that. in there, much. No, you, you, you definitely couldn't have the the natives from Epsom descending on there like they normally do. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's that's all good fun. Um, but yeah, um, but no, so the, yeah. So kazoo, yeah. <laughs> kazoo, That's it. That's what that's uh, brings us back nicely to it. So they signed a two year deal. Now the Isuzu deal, I think, was the biggest deal um, that the WRU had ever negotiated for a shirt sponsor. Now there's no. Um, as you'd expect, they're kind of cagey about ever releasing any any actual numbers for this, as you would be. Uh, but there's no kind of statement about this being the biggest ever deal. So my guess is that it's it's probably not as big as Izuzu. It's a two-year deal rather than a four-year deal. Um, but nonetheless, there's not going to be any games where it's not, you know, there's there's no sponsor. They, there's not going to be any period where there's not money coming in for that. So my guess is it's probably it's probably a good thing for the next couple of years just to keep the stability. That does sound like they picked it up cheap, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If uh, two years, I'm not uh, going to lie. It's a buyer's market out there. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the nature of what we're in the middle of, or towards the end of, or whatever. So yeah, it sounds like they've had a cheap deal, and I, uh, you know, I still don't know what they do. It's, yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> cars to your door, isn't it? You know, you go online and order a car, and it turns up. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, if if they want to do a, a sponsorship deal with us as well, you know, I'm yeah, we're yeah. we're very easily bought. 
you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it won't it won't take a car turning up in the post to uh, to sort something out with us. You know, a couple, no. a couple of tickets in a New Jersey and uh, yeah, a couple of Nespresso tabs would be fine. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. whoa, whoa, whoa! Discovering <laughs> our existing sponsored deal. What, what? <laughs> that's what I meant. So coffee. That's what I meant. I don't get any. Where's mine? Look, I I do all the editing, so I keep the coffee. Dan right. Killick Dan Killick's got a bobble hat here that um that's well, when got... I get some coffee, I'll start seeing the right company. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I'll get on the I'll get on the phone to Scott. It'll be uh, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be delighted. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to edit that bit out saying espresso, yeah, man. Yeah, um, not on brand at all. Oh dear. But there we go. Um and actually as we Something that that brings it back to uh, back to the derby of all things. Just mentioning there, you know, there not being the usual scenes of uh, of of carnage with fans in at the derby. There are going to be some fans back in uh, back at the uh, the Scarlets game this weekend, and also the WRU are going to put are going to put tickets on sale for the um, for the summer games as well. So, although it's drastically reduced, it does make a massive difference. I, like I said last week, that Harlequins game that was on TV. With four thousand fans in there, it, a it sounded so much better than the simulated stuff. But I think just because everyone's been so starved of it, that it felt um, it felt much noisier than four thousand fans in the stoop normally would be. Yeah, it does, and not just there, but quite a few venues have um, done it, and it, it, it's become a bit of a line, you know, because obviously Channel Four, I think, were covering. Heineken Cup matches and then Channel 5 had a game on and they all say the same thing. There's so many thousand in here, but it sounds much more than that. Mm. It's like a trotted out thing. And I think they probably, the production wise, they got a microphone right in front of the laziest people they can find. And then BT Sport in particular, when they interview the man of the match, for some reason they got 50 Which was the, the predetermined man of the match. Yeah, yeah. For some reason they got 50 people stood right behind the interviewer. So that you can't even, like uh, the... The one that I suppose did the rounds on social media last week was Joe Marler being interviewed for Man of the Match, and he couldn't even hear. Uh, I I don't know if it was Sarah Algen or, or, or someone whoever was interviewed. He couldn't hear what they bloody said because they they positioned it so there was just fans screaming at him the whole time. They're, also, they're also they're also, worried, but they're also two all, meters away as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, but what, what I mean is is before before the pandemic, they would have been asking those people to shut up so they could do, conduct the interview. And now it's like, oh, we love fans now, are they? You know, they're going to dominate the freaking broadcast, you know? So it's a little bit, to me, it's a little bit, you know, cheesy, but... Yeah, I get that. I get that. But it's it's just a better experience, isn't it? Like, for, oh, if you're for watching sure. a game on telly, just hearing real... Fa- like, it's yeah. one of these things, working in the industry, right? You see so many of these... Um, articles doing the rounds of like tech is the future of sport everything is tech 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 will replace fans we'll have ai and robots and you know this last 15 months has just proven that it's that's never going to be the case like you you can't do it without raw human emotion like there are certain things you know data and uh, and all the things that that go in sports science and all those kind of things yeah they're massively important to performance and they make a big a big impact the you know the the stuff around the game the the visceral stuff the the two thousand people going away to Cardiff to Cardiff City away games in the uh, in the nineteen eighties <laughs> there will always be those anomalies that you cannot you cannot predict from any data because that's the bit that makes sport brilliant is that you know is the is just that that gut emotion that goes with it and no soundtrack is ever going to be able to is ever going to be able to replace that no just like uh, live people reacting to a break or a piece of skill it's just suddenly everyone you know there is a kind of a lull as the ball's being passed along and then someone makes it and everyone just springs to life and that is something that really feels raw raw and, and, and visceral now because we haven't had it for well over a year so uh, it, it actually you know armchair watcher at the moment it actually gets my heart pumping even though i'm not there i'm not involved just because humans are going, <laughs> just jumping out of their seats, going, go on, and it's and it's not some bloody special effect of, you know, the rumble, the, you know, and the that kind of nonsense they've been doing for the last twelve months. Uh, yeah, to just to hear people going nuts, it it actually affects you. It, it yeah, it does for sure. Uh, any any ideas on what the first first bit of live sport you're going to get to to go and see is, Murph? Probably the Wanderers. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I won't be going to those Wales games. You got to have your, they're not, those tickets are not being distributed to clubs. They, I don't think they are. Yeah. Just general sale, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, so it'll probably be August, first Championship Cup cup game, or probably a friendly, I would imagine, of the Wanderers against someone ready to, for the season to start. Uh, can't see what else it is. I mean, no, cricket maybe, but nothing. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball's there you are. Baseball, they're trying to relaunch baseball in Cardiff. This is South Wales baseball, not freaking not, not MLB, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a hybrid British baseball, which is only played in like three locations in the country, Cardiff, Newport, Liverpool, and I think at one stage Coventry, but not all port cities apart from Coventry. But that Coventry thing might be wrong. I might have dreamt that. But anyway, it was a, a hybrid version of baseball and it died out massive in Cardiff, died out. And they're trying to do a relaunch, I think, this month or next month of the sport. They're playing a round robin tournament. So I might try and go to that. I've, uh, yeah, I've never been, um, I've never been a fan of, uh, of any American sports, but I did go to baseball when I was, when I was out there. It's brilliant. It's just, it's just geared up for drinking because the, and the yeah, ticket, like cricket. And the ticket and the tickets are so cheap as well. Whereas, like you yeah. know, to go and watch uh, to go and watch NFL or uh, or the basketball. Um, actually, I don't know about basketball, but certainly NFL is expensive because there's only seventeen games a season or whatever it is. Whereas yeah. bloody with uh, with the baseball, it's like oh, they're playing every night. Just eight, <laughs> yeah, eight, yeah. Eight, eight bucks a ticket. Just get in there and drink as much as you can. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I like you play little series against each other, don't you? So it's, sometimes it's like three yeah. or four games a week. That's right. Yeah. A bit like uh, basketball. Basketball, they see them play every night of the week as well. But um, yeah, I, I've never, I've never done that over there. But I, I have watched a lot of baseball, <laughs> Welsh baseball, in Cardiff. So that would be good to, because um, like I say, the only baseball still going now is uh, women's. So to see men's baseball again, I don't know how long ago it died out. But well, Di, Di Bishop was playing, uh, was playing baseball. Um, yeah, while Matt, he would... But, well, yeah. it was a thing that everyone in this neck of the woods, when rugby season finished, they would play baseball and for the summer, and then back into preseason training and back to being an international rugby player. But um, yeah, it's a very, it's well, my, my father-in-law played at a high-level baseball in Cardiff in the fifties, and they used to get something like six thousand people watching a baseball game over the park. Obviously, this is pre-television, yeah. you know, and that's pre, so you know, Netflix, all the, you know, all the other things. But that's what, you know, that's what you used to get just to watch an amateur game of baseball in Cardiff. Thousands of people watching over Seven Oaks or yeah. Rough Park Rec or the Mall or whatever. So um, it is quite I, quite central to the history of this city. So it's a shame if it if it doesn't come back. Oh, I love it. Well, looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the the. The baseball and cycling spin-off podcast that you've yeah. got, uh, that you've got yeah. about Murph. That might be a push baseball. I mean, bloody hell, that would be a push. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's, I, that's the beauty of podcasting. There's a niche. There's a niche out there for everyone. And if your niche is uh, listening to two people moan about the sport that they uh, that they really enjoy uh, watching <laughs> and and talking about nineties nineties uh, comics, uh, talking to audiences <laughs> in their nineties. Uh, then come back for more next week, uh, and it maybe even leave us a review on iTunes if you fancy it. Um, other sports that are not covered by this podcast. <laughs> I know it's just more or and even, more stuff creeping in, or even really exist anymore, like Cardiff baseball. <laughs> That's it. Join us. Join us next week when Murph talks about the Shove Apenny Championships or uh, uh, the stuff that used to get featured on. Uh, yeah, on what was that thing on ITV? Is it World of Sport on ITV in the seventies or something? I don't know. Maybe used to call that pub Olympics. Yeah, there's a there's a thought. Being being in a pub consistently as well. That's uh, mm. that's that's what we want to see plenty more of. Uh, but yeah, be sure to join us again next week. We'll be back then. Uh, hopefully, uh, Daniel Killer could be back to join us as well. And uh, yeah, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades, Murph. <laughs> what a Wonderful, fantastic. Fantastic business uh, oh, set, set up by uh, by a guy who's not a dickhead. Good good pal of the show, Scott Otten, the uh, the former Ospreys hooker. Uh, and if you want to get some top quality coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. And in fact, if you have an espresso machine, I think Scott still does uh, still does reusable capsules as well, so you can get some good good coffee in your in your I'm machine in. as well. There you go, really? sold. We have a we have a convert. Yeah, yeah. Someone bought me a machine. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a 
uh, fan of their stuff. Someone bought me the machine, so now I'm in the I'm in the market. There we go. So if you're looking for Cardiff's answer to uh, George Clooney as an ambassador, Scott, if you're listening, <laughs> Murph is your Murph is your man. Uh, right, that'll do us for this week. We'll be back to talk rugby, baseball, flat horse horse racing, cycling, and everything else you can think of very very soon. Podcast Network.